Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. It says six days before the Passover celebration began, which means six days before Jesus is sold out, six days before he gets arrested, gets put on a cross, so he's nearing the end here. And it says, Jesus arrived at Bethany, which is about two miles away from Jerusalem, very close. And he was at the home of Lazarus, a man that he had raised from the dead. And it says a a dinner was prepared for Jesus's honor. Man, a dinner, that was the theme of the night. Let's honor Jesus. That was the theme of the day. Let's honor Jesus. That should be the theme of our life. Let's honor Jesus. And so they gathered for a meal. Martha, she did her thing. If you know anything about Martha, she served. Lazarus, he was eating among them. I think this is important because Lazarus was dead. He was dead, and then he was alive. It was like an eyewitness. Be like, hey, I heard about this Lazarus guy. No, go talk to Lazarus. He's right there. He's eating. He can tell you the whole story. And then it says, Mary, the sister, she took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. I have no idea what that means or what that is, but it was a perfume. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance. It filled the whole house. But Judas Iscariot, Judas, the disciple who would soon betray him. They had no clue he was going to do that. It says that perfume was worth a year's wages. Some estimates say in today's term about fifteen dollars to $20,000. Should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Good idea, Judas. But not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some from himself. And Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. He sees the heart. Jesus sees the heart. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. As you take a seat, you can go ahead and be seated. Look at your neighbor, look at your neighbor, and say, smell my hand. Smell my hand. Some of you are actually doing it. Don't do it. You don't have to do it. You just say it. It's kind of gross. That's really kind of gross. Um, this uh, question, smell, the hand, smell my hand, this is, um, you, can stop, you can stop smelling each other's hands now. Um, this is the question that happens in, in our house right now. We've got some toddlers in the house. And um, anytime you go in to use the restroom, we're, we're trying to, you know, instill some discipline. Hey, go to the restroom, flush the toilet, and wash your hands. How do you prove it? How do you prove it? Okay? So now it's come in. And in order to prove that we've done what we're supposed to do, it's, hey, smell my, smell my hand. And, and now, you know, when you're working with kids, especially, you know, age four, five, six, seven, you can see right through them. You know. In fact, you don't even have to see right through them. But you have that card as a parent. But you're like, okay, one, I didn't hear the toilet flush. And two, I heard no running water. I know you're lying. So this question is, is not a big deal. Like, we like to deal with discipline when the consequences are, are low. But it's, it's actually, we're revealing some things of what's in your heart. What, what's going on? And the consequences are, are pretty low for washing your hands. Maybe you get, you get sick. 
you know, or something like that. Okay, we don't want that. Or if you come over to our house, you might be like, is that uh, chocolate or is that, uh, I don't know. So maybe the consequences are a little bit more extreme, but we're working on it. Um, smell my hand is a quick, quick thing to deal with kids on. Hey, what's in your heart? You don't have to lie to me. It's okay. You know, just let's go through this and walk. Today, the title of today's sermon is What's in Your Heart? We're finishing up a series called Whatever It Takes. And we've talked about what's in your hand. We've talked about what's in your head. Last week, we talked about the things that are in our closet that we like to hide. And, and today, I want to talk about what's in your heart. And, and specifically, I want to talk about your money. And it just got a little bit tense in the, in the, in the, in the room. <laughs> I could have titled it, hey, what's in your wallet? But when it comes to money, it is one thing that reveals what is going on in our hearts. And so as we talk about this, Jesus talked about this a lot. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're like, you get a pass today. You're kind of, you're like, oh, okay, well, here's what the Christians are supposed to be doing. Here's how they're supposed to be living. Here's what Jesus said. And you get a, a firsthand glimpse of what, here's what some things that Jesus said on how we ought to deal with our money. But if you're here today and you are a Christian, you're just like, hey, I'll follow Jesus Christ. He's my Savior. He's, I'll do whatever it takes for you, Jesus. Then, then we have to pay attention to what did he say about finances, because this is like a chief competitor for our heart. There's many things that come to try to get at the core of us in our heart, but money is one of those things. And so I want to look at that today, and we see here in this story that, that Mary, she's worshiping. Judas, he comes up with a pretty good, hey, that should have been, that money should have been, should have been sold and given to the poor. And then you have Jesus in the middle discerning, saying it's, it's not really dollar amounts here. This is a heart issue. I want to get to your heart today. What's in your heart? There's another story in scripture where Jesus is at the temple. He's at the church and people are giving money. It's in Luke chapter 21. And he sees a widow and it says that she's, she's named as the poor widow. She gives in two copper coins, which is basically nothing. And, he, and he, he looks at his disciples. When he sees this poor widow give these two coins, he says, she just gave more than everyone else. Hey, guys, 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 guys. I know everybody's been, like, dropping in large sums of money. and, and, and amount. This, this giving thing is, is not about the amount. It's not about a percentage. It, I want you to see what this woman did. She gave out of everything. She, this is all heart. And she gave more than anybody else. It's not about amounts. It's, it's about heart. And he pointed that out time and time and time again. You see, Mary was grateful. The theme of the night was to honor Jesus. Why? Because her brother was dead. Jesus shows up on the scene and he's alive now. He speaks his name and he's alive. When, when you got to imagine, she's, they're having this dinner. They're celebrating Jesus. And in this moment, we don't know what's going on in her head, but she's looking over. She sees Jesus. She sees her brother 
I was, I was just at your funeral. What price wouldn't you pay if, if for, for some of the, the scenes that we've played out and like someone who you love, who you know, who you want to be healed, I'd give anything. And here they are, they're sitting there and you're sharing another day with them, another meal with them. And she looks and it's like, this meal's not enough. What, how can I honor Jesus? This isn't enough, I need more. And she finds this jar of this perfume. She's triggered. This moment triggers her. Her, her, her gratitude gets triggered and it produces generosity. It produces worship. It produces love. When you're grateful, you're always going to be giving. That's the loving thing. Love always gives. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say, for God so loved the world that he sent a thank you card. No, he showed up and he gave. And he's always giving. Love always gives. And, and Martha was triggered by her gratitude. And she walked away that day smelling like sacrifice, smelling like generosity, smelling like love, looking like Jesus. Because she knew this is something when it comes to giving and money, this is something that's so important to give. Is this is a picture of our salvation with Christ. Lazarus was dead. Mary did nothing to bring him back to life, did nothing to bring, and then there he is alive again. When we realize when our relationship with God that we were dead, scripture describes us as dead in our relationship with God, and we did nothing to earn salvation. Jesus earned it all. He did all the work for us. When you realize everything I have now has come from God, so everything I have, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. I'll give it back to him. This idea of death to life, but oh, Judas got triggered too. Judas, <laughs> this moment triggered him too. You, you got to think, he looks over. Here's Mary. What a waste. How irresponsible, Mary. Come on. That right there was a lot of money. And by the way, I'm the treasurer. So I see how we use all of our money. Could have been spent in a lot of better ways, Mary. Can't believe Jesus can't believe what she did. And then on top of that, now he gets rebuked by Jesus, thinking he has the upper hand on Mary. Ha-ha, look at me. I'm, nope. And Jesus comes back on him. And Judas gets triggered by his bitterness. He gets triggered by his greed. Because you got to think, all right, this Messiah... He's supposed to be bringing this new earthly kingdom, right? He's supposed to be like we're under Roman rule. So Jesus, come on, bring on that earthly kingdom. That's what we join up. I mean, you're doing great things, awesome things. But what about this kingdom thing? And he's not doing what I want him to do. 
Jesus isn't about the, he says, I'm not about the earthly kingdom. He's healing people. People love him. It's like perfectly set up for him to be the king. He's raising people from the dead. I mean, if we had an army and they died, he'd just raise them from the dead. Like, let's go, Jesus. And then he's not doing what he wants them to do. And then on top of that, Jesus keeps talking about death and signaling like the end is near. And now you're going to come and clap back at me, Jesus? This money issue triggered something in him, and he walked away bitter. Instead of seeing how things went from death to life, Judas very quickly went from life to within a week's time to death. This bitterness was a root in his heart that led him to death. These are heart issues Mary was grateful, so she gave. Judas was bitter, so he took. Greed. It is so subtle. I'm not going to ask you to say, are are you greedy? (laughs) We'd all be like, "I'm I'm not greedy. It's almost impossible. It's really hard to detect in the people around you Nearly impossible to self-diagnose. Just think about Judas. Nobody knew that Judas was stealing. I would, I would argue that Judas was probably the most trusted disciple out of all the 12. You know, I mean, some of you guys are looking at me kind of weird with that statement. Who do you put in charge of your money? People that you trust, Right? Matthew was one of the disciples. Anyone know what Matthew was? What was his profession before he started following Jesus? He was a tax collector. If you don't know anything about tax collectors, they were hated. They dealt with the money, but they were like cheating people and stealing money. Matthew knew how to handle the money. They had somebody in the group. Hey, Matthew knows how to handle the money. Maybe he could be the treasurer. Oh, wait, I don't trust Matthew. That dude last year was robbing me of my money. He ain't ain't running the treasury. I'm going to argue that Judas is one of the most trusted. He was with them. He saw things that that Jesus was doing. It is subtle. Almost impossible to, to diagnose. Jesus, he gives us a story. He gives us a picture about greed in our lives that can help us to maybe diagnose what's going on in our hearts. This is in Luke chapter 12. He says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. That word beware in the Greek, the meaning, is like stare at this. Look at this. Look intently at this. Stare at this. Be where? Be on guard. This is attacking you. This is attacking your heart. Watch out for this. Highlight it. Life is not measured by how much you own. You're like, well, well, duh, who doesn't, who doesn't know that? Like, we know life's more than what we own, but it's subtle, and it creeps in there, and we may say one thing, but in our heart is something different. He says, then he told a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops, and he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all the wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, 
You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds a lot like retirement. Um, I'm not against retirement. I'm trying to be wise and save for retirement. It sounds like a good, wise plan, but watch what Jesus says. He says, but God said to him, you fool. That's pretty harsh. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool who stores up earthly wealth but does not have a rich relationship with God. We're more prone to this than we'd like to admit. I'm more prone to this than I'd like to admit. I don't like this. This is pretty harsh stuff, Jesus. But Jesus, he defines someone who stores things up for himself but isn't rich towards God as greedy. He says, watch out for this. Beware of this. This is attacking your heart. He says, a person who saves carefully but gives sparingly, you're greedy. Consuming to the point that you have very little to give. You might have greed in your heart. Oh, I don't like that, Jesus. That stings a little bit. Just like last week. Jesus, he'll pick a fight. He, he's not the, the, always the nice guy, Mr. Rogers Jesus. Oh, guys, I just love you. Come on. Let's just... No, if there's something that's attacking your heart, if there's something that's going to keep you from the mission of God, of worshiping God in your life, and if there's something that's going to pull you away, he'll pick a fight with that any day of the week. And he says, this one, your money, it's one of the top ones that will come for your heart, and it's hard to diagnose. It's hard to see in your lives. Judas, Judas, it sounds so spiritual what you're saying, man. You're, you're using the right words, Judas. But you're missing an opportunity. This is the thing that I want you to see. This greed will keep you from seeing opportunities that God has placed in your life. How do we guard against this if it's so silent, if it's so hard to diagnose? How do we not miss opportunities in our lives if this thing is kind of like blinding us? And there's one habit that can break the chains of greed. And you can start seeing freedom in your life and not have to worry about this taking over your heart. And that habit is generosity. Practicing generosity will break greed every single time. See, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your money to have you. And the way and the habit that you produce in your life to make sure your money does not have you is generosity. Here's the, here's the principle. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you're taking notes, has the, the principle of generosity. It says, remember this. Here, here it is. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So you sow sparingly, you will harvest little. You, you sow generosity, you will reap more. And it's the simple thing of what you see a farmer doing when he goes to plant. 
Sowing and reaping. This is the principle. And the idea is you cannot outgive God. He is always, always, always giving. You must each decide in your, say this with me, you must decide in your hearts. It's a heart issue. Not a percentage, not a dollar amount. It's a heart issue. Decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I'm, I know I'm talking about a very tense subject. I can kind of feel the tension in the room, and that's okay. Anytime we talk about money, it gets tense. Sex or money, it gets tense, okay? Um, but it's one of those things where I'm not going to pressure you to give, but I want you to see that I don't want anything from you. I want things for you. Watch what it goes on to say here. Watch what it goes on to say. It says, For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. So not all that you want, but he'll generously provide all that you need, and he'll go on. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to what? Share with others. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's getting the focus off of yourself and what we see as ours and saying, no, this is about God. I trust him, and this is about blessing others. When Mary poured out that, that jar, it, it, that fragrance filled the whole house. Everybody got the benefit, and they didn't, they didn't miss. Judas missed the opportunity to worship in that moment. God is crazy good. He has been so good. And I don't want any, in this message, I don't want you to hear my heart. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. Since we started Freedom Church, I've been blown away at what God has been doing in us and through us. We started this thing in January of 2018. Since we started, we've had 26 salvations in this house, and we've had five baptisms. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Yes. I'm dreaming of a day when that happens in one weekend. I, I believe that God has people out there that he wants to, to reach through you and I, and that that, that can happen in one weekend. But I, I'm just like, like, I guess part of the excitement of what I'm blown away by is like, we're just getting started. That the best is yet to come. We'll look back on this day and be like, man, do you remember when we just met in this gym? And, and you know, is this one, sir? like, I don't want a big church. I just know that God has a big mission for us to go, and there's a lot of people who need to know about them, and we're just getting started. In 2019 alone, we've had 133 first-time guests, adults, that have come through, 133. And 75 of those have returned a second time. In church world numbers and percentages, that's like, that's awesome that you guys are creating a welcoming environment, that God is moving and using you in this place. And people say, hey, I want to come back. I want to check it out again. And, and so I, I don't want you to see that, that we have been given an opportunity here. This isn't normal. What we're seeing in Los Alamos, what we're seeing in Free Church, you've got to know that God's doing something and it's not normal. And so I get excited because I see how he started, I see where we're at, and I see where he's kind of leading us and where we want to go. So um, we, we've given away, sorry, I got a few more stats, over $20,000 
In the, in the last year and a half, we've given away over $20,000 in missions and with our Love Los Alamos Fund. And our Love Los Alamos Fund is simply a, a fund that we've set up. You guys give and we set it aside. You see a need out there and someone's like, hey, they, they, they need help with a bill or they, they, whatever is needed. And if it's under $250 and your connect group says, hey, we're in on that too. And they live in Los Alamos. It's a green light. And we give you a check and you can go give it to that person and just build relationships. It's not about getting them to come here. It's just about loving people. That's what we're about is just loving people. And God's been using you and I to do some amazing things. Then something kind of spooked me. I did another statistic. We were getting our our connect groups together. They're meeting in the fall. If you're not in one, you should be in one. They're awesome. They're getting started. One's meeting, two of them are meeting tonight. One in White Rock, one in Los Alamos. Anyway, we looked through. Of the people who count Freedom Church as their home, we had over 90 adults that say Freedom Church is, is my home church. Um, then we looked at kids, teenagers, ages, teenagers and below. And we had uh, 66 teenagers and below that would be a part of those families that consider Freedom Church their home. We have been given Freedom Church an amazing opportunity by God. He's doing something here that's beyond us. That's why when I announced that Seth Evans is coming to help us, we have been given an amazing opportunity to reach the next generation. It is something that if we just focus on us and what we can get out of it, we'll make a good five to ten year run as Freedom Church and then we'll be done. But God has something way more in store. Our our next lawmakers are in that room. Our next doctors are in that room. Our next teachers are in that room. Our, our moms, our dads, the next, the next pastor of Freedom Church could be in that room. I want a place for our kids. It's not daycare. My vision for our church, I don't want to fight the next generation. I want to fund them. My vision for helping them out as adults in this room and we focus on investing in the next generation is not to to fund them through bake sales. If the church does that, that's fine, but not this church because we'll have people who catch the vision and say, we have an opportunity. They're going to see grown adults who say, we're going to pass this on to the next generation. And some of you might say, well, I don't know if we should just hand them their money. I mean, they might just, you know, maybe they need to appreciate the money or something like that. And I would say, exactly. So we won't stop at just funding them. We will go further and we will serve them because it's not just daycare in there. I want to create environments where it's clean, it's safe, and it's fun, and they learn about Jesus on their level. Imagine a church where your kids drug you to church. Instead of you dragging, and they're like, I want to go to church. I want to go to church. I want to go to church. I've been a part of a youth ministry where the teenagers were like, I want to go to church. And God changes their lives. And the atheist parents who had nothing to do with the church see God work in the lives of their kids. And then all of a sudden, the parents are like, I want to go to church. What are you doing to my kid? Something's awesome. I want to be a part of that. There's a model that can happen when we reach the next generation. So this church, we try to keep it simple. Strong Sunday morning. I want you in this room to experience God. Anybody that walks in here, I just want to create an environment where you experience God. I want strong relationships. We got connect groups. I want you to to go beyond these walls and journey through life together. You're not meant to do life alone. People need people. And I want a strong 
kids ministry where they where we invest in the next generation and this isn't just a 10-year run this is decades long in the making of god doing something amazing and it started here that's what i want so we've been given an opportunity and now we have a giving opportunity we have an opportunity to build a foundation church we have a, an opportunity to set forth some things. And it's, you know, you guys who have been giving, let me just say this. A lot, I'm, 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 I'm pretty much, I recognize for some of you who have been a part of free, like I'm preaching to the choir. You guys have been so generous in your giving. So this isn't a, oh, you got to give, you have to give. I don't want you to give under compulsion or anything. I'm just excited because God's moving. And I'm and, and seeing that he's doing more. So if, you, if you've given, thank you. If you've been thinking about it, consider it. You're like, well, I don't know if I can tithe. I don't know if I can do 10%. 10% is a lot. Maybe just start with 1%. I don't know. It, he says, give what God puts on your heart. I'm not about amounts. I'm about your heart. Because that's what God's about. I, want, I don't want your heart to go astray. Mary, she saw, she saw the opportunity. He's been talking about this death thing. I, I don't know why I should be anointing him. Like he's still alive. This is usually meant for burial. But I feel like my next step is to do this, and I'm going to do it. Judas looked at it and saw that it was irresponsible, her worship. But she's like, I'm just going to worship. I'm going to sacrifice I can't afford to give this away, but I'm going to do it because I feel like I need to. And it seems weird because he keeps talking about death. And it feels like we're near the end and I'm giving up. And we may not see how all of this makes sense. We may not have the vision. But she wasn't preparing him for a death. This was getting ready for a resurrection in an empty tomb. There was something much bigger and something much greater once she got over this to see this is how God was at work because when the women went to the tomb, when they went to anoint him with the perfumes in the tomb, guess what? He wasn't in there. This was it. This was the time. She didn't necessarily know what she was doing at the time, but this was the time when she anointed him for his burial. Some of us, I got a cup, when it, especially when it comes to money. We just approach God like this. We, we get sideways with God. So anything that gets filled up in here or poured into here immediately just gets poured right back out. And this is not the principle of the farmer. This is not the principle of the harvest that we see. We see this when it's up and it's getting filled with water, and then what the, it just overflows, and it overflows, and it keeps pouring out, and it keeps pouring out. He says, if you, if you give sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you give generously, you'll reap generously. And this is the principle that I can, out of the overflow of my relationship with God, it just overflows, and it blesses the entire house. Judas, he just saw here, Look at the circumstances. It doesn't look good. Jesus, I don't like being talked back to like that. I'm out. I'm done. And we get sideways with God. And we miss 
out on opportunities. But here's the thing. We have a giving opportunity at Freedom Church because I believe that Jesus is always giving opportunities. Judas was sideways with God, but I think he was always getting another opportunity. That Passover meal that was going to happen in six days, Jesus got a towel. And if you know anything about that scene, Jesus took the position of a servant, of a slave, in front of all those guys, and he washed their feet, saying, guys, we're going to, do, we're going to live differently. This idea of humbling ourselves, this idea of generosity, is going to change the world. It's going to see what people, uh, people are going to look at you differently, saying, what, I, I, I like that, I want that, I want to be a part of that. And he washed Judas's feet, I think giving him another opportunity to say, let's live life differently, man. Let's not live like the world. Let's do this. I know it's hard. I know it's backwards. And then Judas goes and betrays him. And I think he gives him one more opportunity. He's in the garden. And Judas, he, gets, he has the guards with him, the military, that go to arrest Jesus in the garden. And Judas, how dirty, says, ah, I'll let you know which one it is, not by pointing out and saying, oh, it's that guy. I'll go give him a kiss. That will be the signal that that's the one. Watch what Jesus says. Judas gives him a kiss. And Jesus says, my friend. In one of his worst moments, he still says, you're my friend. If you would just give me your brokenness, it's one more opportunity. He didn't strangle him. I would have wanted to strangle him. You know, Peter, if you know that scene, Peter, he got sideways. He's just seeing the circumstances. He doesn't get all of this stuff going on. Peter grabs a sword. Whoa! Chops off a guy's ear. Jesus, he's got his cup up. He knows that he's more, he's about a mission. He slices the eye ear. Jesus doesn't go, yeah, get him. Let's go, guys. Let's get out of here. Let's run. No, 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 no. He grabs the ear, sticks it back on the guy. He said, I'm about a mission here. You're seeing things through, through human eyes. When it comes to your money, you're seeing things just through human eyes. And God's trying to give you a vision for there's something bigger, almost beyond what you can see or think or imagine. In this series, as we close up and we wrap this up and close out today, whatever it takes, we said, what's in your hand? What's in your head? What's in your closet? And for lack of a better title, what's in your wallet? There's one phrase that I think continues to come up in all of this, or one word, and it's the word surrender. Judas talked a good game. And if you've been around Christians or you've been in a church, we all talk a good game. But this goes deeper in the heart. Are you willing to surrender everything? Do whatever it takes, God. I'll give you what's in my hand, my past failures that haunt me. God, I'm going to give it to you. The closet, my wallet, God, I, whatever it takes. 
I don't want to miss another opportunity with you, Jesus. I've been doing things on my own. I don't want to miss out. Mary humbled herself, surrendered, sacrificed, and it, it blessed everyone around her. Not only that, it says that she wiped that fragrance with her hair. So when she left that room, she got to take some of that perfume with her. What she gave came with her, stuck with her. And Judas couldn't get it, didn't have the vision, and he missed it. Jesus humbled himself, surrendered himself, took the position of a servant, and he poured out his life, whatever it takes. Jesus did whatever it took to show you and I, you have what it takes to be used by God. You might feel overlooked, not good enough. And he says, no, that's perfect. Exactly what I want, a heart that will worship me regardless of anything that's going on, what they see. They'll worship me no matter what. And my response, I'll do whatever it takes to let the world know they have what it takes to be loved and used by God. That's the mission of freedom to let people know how much God loves them. And let's take next steps together. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a, a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.